Welcome back to Last Ones at the Bar, your one-stop shop for your boxing needs. My name is Daniel Lee. I'm here with co-host Lavelle Jackson. Will's out on vacay this week, so we'll be kind of uh, running the show for y'all. And uh, we have a few topics for you, so it won't be too long. It's good to be back. Bill, how you doing? It's been two weeks. How you doing? How was your vacay? Um, my vacay was, was, was uh, relaxing. You know, it, it was great to take a, you know, few days off a weekend away and, you know, spend some time away thinking and turning my brain off. So, uh, you know, it was a nice little few days that I really needed to, to uh, rest for a bit. I feel it. I had a mini staycay last weekend, so that was super relaxing. But I'm in the middle of this boot camp for project management. I think I told you. And so anytime I relax during that, it costs me. So this week has been a grind. Like, I don't know how this week went by, but I, I'm still here. So that's crazy because I feel exactly the same way. I, I, can't, I came back and from Monday to, to Friday, I, I was burning. I was burning. <laughs> and by Friday, I, 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 I was done. I was done. Basically what it's been for me. But let's get into these boxing things. Uh, we talked about this one a little bit a second ago, but first one we're going to cover, Guillermo Rigondeau fought John Rio Casimero for the WBO Bantamweight title last night on Showtime. What did you think of that one? <laughs> I have an idea what you thought of it, but let, let's let the people know what we thought of it. How did you have that one? Oh man! First off, this was a uh, a weird card, and it's funny because someone told me uh, it's Friday the thirteenth, and this was on Friday. It's Friday the thirteenth. Beware of this, this. Pay attention. And you know, I'm not a, a superstitious person, and whatever I think of, you know, especially Friday the thirteenth. Uh, the only thing I'm looking forward to is watching Friday the Friday the thirteenth movies. <laughs> so I'm thinking of those marathons and watching those movies. So I don't put too much stock in, in superstition. But on Saturday the 14th, which was yesterday, um, this whole entire card, the PBC card that the Rigadal fight, uh, Casemiro fight was on, it was, it was, it was just bizarre. It was, it was a little backwards in some ways. Uh, shout out to uh, Rashid Warren, who pretty much was the star of that card. I mean, he came out and, and you know, stopped the, the, the guy in, in, in what, about two rounds, uh, showed some power. And it was funny because I was just telling my wife when that fight started, I was like, this guy, you know, he, he, he was pretty good amateur, but as a pro, uh, he gets underrated a lot because he seems to lack power. So no one really, you know, pays him any mind, but he's respected among the fighters, which she Warren is. And he came out and he made a statement. I, la- I kind of laughed when he said he was going to come out and try to go for the knockout. He did it and got it. So shout out to him. Uh, and then there, there was an, a second fight with uh, Gary uh, Antonio Russell. I believe it was Antonio. Um, brother of Gary Russell Jr. and Gary Antoine Russell. Uh, he was on a car. You could see the disappointment on his face. He didn't get to you know, really showcase uh, his talents, I believe he was, he was going against Emmanuel uh, Rodriguez. And it, there was a, a big clash of heads, which was probably in the first 15 seconds. And, and that was it. And, and both guys were, were disappointed. So this main event happened within an hour. It was starting. So Guillermo Rigadao against John Rio Casemiro. This fight was a very underwhel- underwhelming fight. Which was funny was it was kind of to me it was an easy fight to score 
you know? And it, just to give a, a, a statistical fact about this fight, this fight broke the record for probably the, the, the least amount of punches landed in a, twi- in a full 12-round fight, which, you know, there is no stoppage in. So this fight was originally supposed to be uh, John Rio Castamiro. He was, he was supposed to take on Nanito Donaire. And of course, Donaire pulled out because uh, they, the, Cas- the, the team Castamiro did not submit the, uh, the VADA drug testing paperwork in time. So we ended up with Guillermo Rigadao versus Casimiro. So Guillermo Rigadao uh, is 20 and one um, with 13 knockouts. Uh, he has a win over uh, Donier, which was his crowning achievements. He also uh, moved up to um, super featherweight to take on Vasily Lomachenko, a fight that he lost. But, you know, it doesn't really get held against him. Being he did move up, you know, two weight classes for that fight. But he also has a, a win over uh, Robert uh, Markin. Um, and also he has a win over uh, Joseph Abeko, who was a pretty good bantamweight or in super bantamweight uh, in his time. Uh, he went against uh, John Rio Casimiro, um, 30 and four with 21 knockouts. Uh, he's, he, he was known as a puncher, he came to his fight punching. Personally, I, I thought that, you know, unless Rigadao had declined a lot, that Rigadao would eventually get to him and counter him. I didn't see anything too much special about Casimiro, uh, aside from brawling. But when this fight started, it's just that both guys were just definitely just so ineffective. Rigadao wouldn't land, and Casemiro couldn't land. <laughs> Casemiro couldn't be effective. He, he tried to track Rigadao down. This was an easy fight to score. Um, of course, Casemiro came away with a, a split decision win. I don't think either guy deserved to win this fight. This was a very underwhelming fight, a very disappointing if i was a, a casual fan or a usc fan and i turned to this fight this showtime fight i would have been very very disappointed i would this, this is why people don't watch a lot of boxing right now and and also I, and part of my irritation well i'll say a lot of my irritation is because it was certain other fights that were on that were better than this one that i missed or or I had to watch later because i wanted to see this one live because even though um uh, Guillermo Rigadao, you know, he, he, he likes to box. He likes to stick and move. I still expect him to stick and move. And he only moved. He didn't really stick a lot. And this fight was easy to score. And I say that because a lot of, a lot of it was done off of how many punches that Rigadao landed. Because, of course, he was successful in nullifying Casemiro. But at the same time, he was, he, it seemed like he didn't want to engage too much. And he didn't throw a lot of punches. I, I thought it was a very, very, again, very disappointing fight. Again, it broke the record for lowest punches landed in a 12-round fight without a knockout. It, it's just not, it's not much to, to talk about with this fight. You know, it, it, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I can't talk about this fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I actually had it 115-113 Casimiro. But like you said, it was a relatively easy fight to score. And I'll tell you why. So the CompuBox numbers, Rigo landed 44 punches out of 221 thrown. Casemiro landed 47 out of 297 thrown. So we're talking an average of three to four punches landed per round. It was basically 12 rounds of watching Rigo move around the ring. And whoever I, like, actually landed the most 
punches that round, I give him the round. It was it was that simple. And so we're talking three, four punches round. Very easy to score. It was weird. It it was easy to score, but it was hard to stay awake, if I'm being honest. Rigo was so talented. He he objectively he moved beautifully that round. Like his foot, I mean, the, the whole fight, his footwork was very impressive. It just not fan friendly. But when he chose to engage, he did so in a way where he could have outclassed Casemiro if he wanted to. He just chose not to. He just, I don't know, he just, he's so, for him to be so talented, he just has no interest in making his fights fan-friendly. And, you know, he claimed that this is the way that he knows, but I've seen him engage better fighters more than he did yesterday. So, you know, I don't know what's up. My heart really goes out to Ronnie Shields and his promoter because, and it's like that, he's got to be a frustrating guy to coach and promote, you know? Like, I, I feel like, and, you know, when they showed his corner in between rounds, I could sort of hear the frustration in Ronnie Shields. But, um, but you know, again, it was beautiful boxing. He just chose not to engage, and it made for a fight that was hard to watch. And, you know, all I ask, if he's going to continue to fight like this, all I ask is that they put him on a 3 p.m. card because that's just not the fight. That, it's not the kind of fight that I must be able to stay up and watch. I don't, I don't think it was a beautiful boxing, from in my opinion, and and this is why boxing is hit and not get hit. But you got to hit though; you can't just not get hit. And you, it's stick and move; it's not just move. And I feel like his, you're right. His his footwork was beautiful. I mean, it's almost like I was watching potential. But like for like like boxing is what someone like uh. What I would describe as boxing in, 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 in that context is what Shakur Stevenson does. You know, he hits, he doesn't get hit, but he's effective. He lands punches. He lands more punches than the other guy. He totally outclassed opponent, uh, you know, the opponents he's in there with. And Rigadal does that. He can do that. It's just this fight he didn't. He, did, he didn't deserve to win. And really, neither guy deserved to win. Casemiro just... You know, he was he would try to cut off the ring. He would just get tired and just stop in the middle of the ring and start like taunting instead of trying to rough Rigadal up. I understand he was frustrated, but at the same time, make something happen. It was like neither guy wanted to really engage. Uh, Casemiro saw that Rigadal was setting him up. That when Casemiro went in, that that Rigadal was going to you know counter him with that straight left, and Rigadal was successful with it, and it was almost like whenever he threw it, he could land it. But he never really threw it that often. You know, of course, Casemiro didn't want to go in like that. But then again, Rigadal never wanted to, like, you know, put his foot down and really step it up. You know, and that's and that's what I have a problem with Rigadal. This is not like uh, a Shakur Stevenson or a Floyd Mayweather or Bernard Hopkins where they actually throw punches. They try to land effective punches. And Rigadal is part of that. He does. He can do that. It's just that in this fight, he didn't do that. And I, feel, I felt a certain type of way that he was upset that he lost, but he's smiling out of me like, oh, I guess y'all don't understand boxing. Like, he's smiling about it like it's like, y'all don't understand me. I'll just say, I'll just say many Linux from Belly need to go down and, and they'll go sit down somewhere because he's not the Don Dada anymore. <laughs> to, to your point, Casanero could have done a better job of cutting off the ring. He just kind of followed him around. And so when you follow him around, you kind of you kind of enable to chase a little bit instead of cutting the ring off. And then, you know, also what you were saying about him being like at the surprise that he didn't win the fight is like, and saying people don't understand boxing is like, 
okay, even if we understand this was this was like the boxing equivalent to say you have an NBA game and the final score is like 50 to 48. You know what I mean? Even if it's beautiful basketball and that's defensive basketball, that's going to be hard to watch because nobody's scoring. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to learn footwork, this fight is perfect. I mean, I'm not going to say this fight was just total trash because something you can take away with it because Rigadal is talented. If you want to learn footwork, watch this fight. And I thought that at age 40 he would have an issue with, uh, you know, his feet, his legs, and all that. But it seemed like he has more problems with pulling that trigger than you know, than than his feet. He, his feet works fine. I think his maybe he can't pull the trigger anymore. Maybe that's the issue. We never, we don't know. So moving right along, there was another fight that was on on a zone call. Virgil Ortiz, the, the new up and coming guy, he went against. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce his name. I always get it wrong. He's the mean machine that took on Terrence Bud Crawford uh, a couple years ago. Did you check that fight out, Danny? I did, man. It was a good scrap. So uh, Ortiz, young guy, 23 years old, 18 and 0, 18 knockouts. Tavalaska is 22 and 2, 18 knockouts as well. And you already knew it was going to be a good fight going in because neither one of them are shy with, with trading and, and letting their hands go. And they both are some heavy hitters and they both have chins. And so, uh, and even going into it, Pavlosov was saying, look, win or lose, this, this, this fight not going to go the distance. So the stage was already set. So the way I scored it, um, I gave round one to Ortiz. I thought he did a good job of staying behind his jab. Kavlaska stood in the pocket. He did a good job of handling the jab, um, but he, uh, he was outpointed that round. I gave round two to Kavalaskas. Uh, Ortiz was there to be hit this round. He kind of kept the high guard for a little bit, and uh, Kavalaskas took advantage of that with an uppercut that hurt Ortiz and led to another set of flurries, flurries that he got caught by. Uh, he was almost dropped, but it was ruled a slip. Uh, but he did come back strong towards the end. Uh, round three was a 10-8 round in Ortiz's favor. Ortiz listened to his corner, and he stood behind the jab early in that round. And uh, he got caught, but then they began to trade, and he got the better of exchange, which ended in a knockdown with a few seconds left. So it was 10-8 round Ortiz. I gave uh, four and five to Ortiz as well. He continued to fight smart, standing behind his jab. He was disciplined. He was doing some occasional work to the body. And it, it was a point where Kavalaska seemed to be kind of tentative, waiting for Ortiz to make a mistake, but he just wasn't making one. Kavlaskas did find success with the right hand um, in round six, so I gave him that round. Round seven, they spent a good portion of that round trading, but I thought Ortiz got the better of those exchanges. Um, I gave it 10-9 Ortiz. He kept landing this left body hook that I was like, okay, this, this is going to pay dividends because this is – I've, I've seen this a few times in this fight. Like, this is going to pay dividends. And then round eight, beginning of the round, <laughs> it paid dividends. He got him with a, a, power, a power jab to the body that um, opened up the first knockdown in the round. And then um, he got a second knockdown, and, and Kavlaska's body language just kind of changed for the worse after that. And I believe there was two more knockdowns before the ref start the fight, and that was a fight. But uh, Ortiz did a really good job. He was very disciplined. Uh, a few things that I saw that really impressed me. One, I just said it, uh, but he was disciplined. When he was off track in that second round, he listened to his coach and implemented 
And that's a testament to his to his uh, team too, because his normal trainer is Robert Garcia. But Robert Garcia was out because he was training on that top rank card. So he was trained by his father, Virgil T. Senior, that round. And so he did a good job listening to his team. Uh, another thing I saw that I liked that he didn't ride away, he got rocked. And in the post-fight interview, he said that he wasn't as hurt as he probably looked when he got hit flush in that second round. And based on how he responded, I believe him to be honest. Some people, some people, you know, in that post-fight will say, oh, I, I wasn't hurt. And it's like, your legs are wobbly. We we saw you wobble back to the corner. But uh, he actually got more aggressive after after he got out of that, that, that series of flurries. And the third thing, um, not only did he not rattle, but he got meaner. It was like whenever Kavlaska started to attack, it kind of woke Ortiz up in a sense, and it made him kind of turn up. And Kavlaska is no slouch either. He has a lot of power. And uh, if, if, you don't, if you don't have a chin, you would not have been able to withstand those jabs. So um, I already liked Ortiz before this, but, you know, he's young. He's a seems like a good kid. He's not even in his prime yet. And I noticed in the last post-fight interview, they asked him about Crawford, and he more or less said, it doesn't matter if I'm ready. Like they asked him if, I th- if he thought it was ready. He said, it don't matter if I'm ready. If they give me the fight, I'm taking it. This time they asked him about Crawford. He was like, I'm ready for a belt. So bring bring me a belt. And so he he feels like he's ready. Um, I don't know if <laughs> I, I can't say that I would have him in that fight, but I do think that he I would probably have him at least based on the version of him I saw tonight and his step up a competition for him. I would probably have him at the lowest ranked fifth in the welterweight division. Yeah, I was impressed with Virgil Ortiz also. Um, and this fight was a fight of attrition. It, it seemed like he was better conditioned going down a stretch. Um, like you said, he threw those, he was throwing tons of body shots, especially that left hook uh, to the body that pretty much was taking the air out of out of Kavalaskis, and it was basically it was really uh, paying dividends for for later. Um, and he basically, it was interesting how Ortiz got meaner, and the mean machine didn't. You know, he got less mean over the time, but he he did give a the, the mean machine did give a good effort. He was hurt. He he, I mean, of course Ortiz probably wasn't you know rocked or, or, or per se, but I will say he was probably hurt. You know, like like any other fighter gets hurt like it's not, it wasn't like like he said it's not a bad thing it's boxing but it's no it's no uh i don't think it's no shame in being hurt by a, a puncher like kavalaskis because it's interesting how kavalaskis you know he he could he could be uh underrated based off of what you you know his two losses that you've seen him with uh crawford and mean machine i mean and uh ortiz but when you look at both fights I mean, he put up a, a decent scrap, and he was impressive in his own right in his losses. So he he wasn't a pushover. Uh, well, of course, we know he's not a pushover. Um, but one of the things I did notice is how huge Ortiz was, even compared to Kavalaskis, you know, who's a big welterweight himself. But Ortiz looked like he was should be fighting that light middleweight. I mean, and, and I would be curious to see uh, what does he look like in, in size comparison to, you know, someone like a Crawford or a Spence or uh, even a Danny Garcia, you know, when you see him side by side, how much bigger is he, you know, because he, he looked like he was a big guy, like he's more filled out than even uh, Mean Machine was. So, and, and I like how Ortiz threw his jabs, you know, he, he works off this jab, worked beautifully off the jab. Um, 
even though you know he can be vulnerable at times, I, I think you know all knockouts in his fights is it, not a, an accident. Usually, when guys have power like that, it's just like with Tank. It's not an accident. You know, you can say that who the knockout or, or per se, but that that's proof that he has power. You know, and he's gonna be hard to beat. Um, he's gonna be not. I'm not gonna say he's gonna be hard to beat, but he's gonna be a handful for anyone because they're going to feel that those punches so um and he throws every power in every shot like even this jab is like a a power shot and he was snapping uh Kavalaska's head back and in, in, uh when this fight started getting into the later stages uh and you could tell by uh Mean Machine's body language that this even if he would have made it out of the eighth round this fight was going to get stopped in the ninth like it, or he wasn't going to even come out it, this fight was going to be over. So it's, so it's interesting to see how, uh, how, how, he, of course, we saw this post-fight interview when they asked him who he wants, he wants a belt. And, and he even went outside Crawford and said, I'll take Spence or Pacquiao. I don't care. And he, I think he, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Danny, I think he's with Golden Boy Promotions. So he, he could be in that spot where, you know, he can ask for those fights, you know, with any promoter, you know, if he, if he, if, uh, you know the cars are played right. You know, we, we know that 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 um, there's another guy who called who wants to fight against you know the top opposition named Jerron Ennis. Uh, of course, they don't want to really. They're not may not want to match those guys up. But for me, you know, as a fan, I want to see it. You know, who's this, who's the top prospect? You know, of course, it doesn't make business sense. <laughs> but both of these guys would take it if it was offered to them. They would. So. It's interesting to see where Virgil Ortiz go forward. Uh, I was impressed with the with the the victory over Cavalasquez, and you know, I, I wish I would saw his fight live. I'll just say that you know, seeing it seeing it later, it didn't do it justice for me, especially that I, I saw the 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 uh, the results already. I wanted to see this fight live, and you know, I'm, I'm still upset about not watching this for the Rigadal fight. Yeah, I feel it. And to your, and you are correct. He is a golden boy, and so um, there is a potential for uh, him to to get those those fights. Yeah, I would love to see him fight Boots, but yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes because the the champions that he won are kind of tied up, you know. Like, so if Pacquiao if Pacquiao loses, then yeah, maybe him and Ugas will be a good fight. But if Pacquiao wins. I've seen some reports that he's heading towards retirement. And so who knows where that would go. That might create a vacancy that he could fight for potentially, you know, Crawford is supposed to be fighting Porter. So we'll see what happens there. We don't know who Spence is going to fight when he comes back, but I doubt they're going to put him against Ortiz first. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes, but uh, the guy has a bright future ahead of him, I think either way. And so I'm excited to see him in the ring again. So on a welterweight note, this past Monday, Errol Spence Jr. had a pre-fight medical examination by the Nevada State Athletic Commission in Vegas, and it was discovered that he had a retinal tear. So obviously, he's not going to be able to fight Pacquiao next weekend. He has surgery to repair it. Uh, did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, Errol Spence, um, I know it got to be disheartening for him you know, to be this close to a fight. This would have been different if this was discovered early on. But at this point, he's already trained. He, he was like a week out. At this point, he, he, they probably was taping, you know, tapering down the sparring uh, for him. So the work was already done, you know. Um, 
and as we know, the damage was done. But we don't know if this happened in sparring or happened in, you know, this could have been a result of the accident, which, you know, probably got uh, worse by, you know, the fights he, he the, the prior fight with Danny Garcia. We don't know. Um, but what is, is true is he had a, a, a retina tear in his left eye and he did uh, undergo surgery, or I believe he was undergoing surgery for it. So this is a legit injury. I mean, I saw some people, you know, taking shots at him online, uh, which I think was right because this is not like he's trying to, you know, get a way out of his fight. This is a guy that survived, you know, death in a car accident. So wherever anyone might feel about Spence, the, the guy comes to fight. And I believe if, if two of those doctors, two of those three doctors he went to would have said, hey, you can go get in that ring with, with him. He would have gotten a ring with Pacquiao and got that payday and got the legacy fight that he, you know, he'd been craving for. Uh, but I will say it, it kind of, in a sense, it, it, we don't know how it's going to work out for him as the, you know, retina tears is not, this could be a serious injury. We don't know, but he's fortunate that this was caught and that, yeah, he might lose some money and lose this fight with Pacquiao, but Pacquiao is not a fight you want to go into with a with an injury like that. You know, this this would have been he he probably would have ended up with a, with a margarito injury in this fight. Even if he would have won, that would have been that's not that's not a fight you want to go into with Pacquiao. And, and as much as you know, we want fighters to fight, and you know they they put the they, they know they decide to put the, their lives on the line. I, I wouldn't feel good about someone risking an injury like that, where you know he can end up with a, without an eye or anything like that. It's just you know he deserves to go home to his family. So um, hopefully some good come about it. Uh, and he, the word, the, the, the thing that that could that where it may not work out is that if Pacquiao loses to Ugas, then you know of course Ugas. Spence, it's a fight that, I, you know, I don't have a problem seeing it. I would like to see it. But, you know, I, I don't think a casual fan would be as interested in it than a fight with Pacquiao. And, of course, uh, for Spence, beating Ugas, it's a, it would be a good win. It may even be a tougher fight than Pacquiao. It's possible. But at the same time, it doesn't reap the same benefits. You know, Ugas is like a, one of those, those uh, high-risk, low-reward type fighters, you know. Pacquiao is not. You can gain a lot from beating Pacquiao. So we'll see what happens. But safe recoveries to Errol Spence. Hopefully he gets better and he can get back in the ring. Yeah, man. Like you said, I, I think it's very unfortunate that when fighters get injured relatively close to a fight, we are in a culture where the first instinct for a lot of people is to go, uh, I don't know, it sounds shaky. I, the timing is just weird. And it's not like injuries choose timing. Like nobody, nobody's in camp that are saying these things and nobody know these guys' bodies. And it seems like a thing that he probably wasn't privy to until they had that examination, you know? And so, you know, from my knowledge of Spent as a person and as a fighter, which is about the same knowledge as everybody else outside of his camp, <laughs> limited, he's not a person, the type of person to me to fake an injury to get out of a fight especially one of his favorite in. I forget the odds, but he was a favorite in that Pacquiao fight. But, um, you know, all in all, I just wish the champ well. I wish him a speedy recovery. I'm sure he will be back. That's not something that's going to take a toll on his body or anything. And so he'll be back stronger than ever, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah safe recovery to Errol Spence. Um, and because of, uh, of this, you know, unfortunate event, this weekend or next weekend, we have uh, Manny 
Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao going against Jordines Ugas. Um, so, Danny, what do, you, what do you see happening in this fight? Yeah, uh, Ugas was originally supposed to be on that card uh, defending his title against Fabian Maidana. Um, but now he will be stepping up to defend his WBA Super Championship belt against the WBA champion in recess, which whatever, WBA, but uh, Pacquiao. So a um, little tail of the tape first. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, we talk about him all the time. 6'2", 7, and 2, 39 knockouts, 5'5 five, five and a half, 67-inch reach, 42 years old. Uh, your Dennis Ugas is 26 and 4, 12 knockouts. 5'9", 69-inch reach. Uh, Ugas is 35 years old. Uh, Ugas most notably lost a close decision, though, of Sean Porter in 2019. He's been 2-0 since then. And this is a major step up from him, especially from who he thought he was going to fight a week ago. I'm still excited about this fight. Um, I think it'll still be a tough fight overall. In terms of build, Ugas is fairly similar to Spence. The main difference is that... Um, Ugas was trained to fight in Orthodox. Now he's about to fight arguably one of the best Southpaws in the division. And Pacquiao was trained to fight Spence, who was a Southpaw. Now he'll be fighting Ugas in Orthodox. And so the thing is, you kind of alluded to this a second ago, but once this occurred, training camp was basically over for the most part for both of them. So there was minimal time to really prepare and adjust the game plan. And so, you know, it's kind of based on who's going to be the most experienced or who's the most ready based on how they prepared. And so, you know, based on Pacquiao's experience and skill level, of course, this is going to make him the favorite already. On top of him just being, I don't think Ugas would be easy out by any means. I think he's going to give Pacquiao some trouble just off the sheer aggression, sheer size. Uh, but I do think Pacquiao is going to get a unanimous decision in this fight. Yeah, this this fight, you know, it's not exactly. I was definitely looking forward to you know Pacquiao versus Spence. Uh, and this fight is kind of a, a downer in a way, but that's only because this fight was originally Pacquiao Spence. If if, if this fight would have been announced as a Pacquiao Ugas fight, I wouldn't have had any problems with it, or Ugas versus anybody, because I always uh, looked at Ugas as being very underrated and a tough fight for anyone, you know, and so I do think, I expect it to be a, a tough fight for Pacquiao, but I think this benefits Pacquiao more because Pacquiao has, you know, seen it all, you know, he's been in a ring with, with, and he's used to fighting, you know, tall guys like Ugas, you know, even though a guy, guy like Ugas can give, can be tricky and give Pacquiao, you know, some trouble, and I expect him to, like, because of Pacquiao's age, I, I think this could be a close fight, and, and, and it could be like a 55-45 um, in favor of Pacquiao. Uh, but at the same time, I think Pacquiao's experience, you know, he has an experienced corner with Freddie Roach. So I expect this fight, you know, it's still a 55-45 fight uh, in favor of Pacquiao. Pacquiao has seen, you know, pretty much most styles. He's not, he's used to fighting, you know, taller guys. Um, plus he was prepared, he was preparing for, Spence, who in theory is, you know, is looked at as a better fighter than Ugas. So his his training level is probably up and the mental preparation of this is up. Ugas is probably not. You know, he was training for, I believe it was Madonna's, uh, Marcos Madonna's brother. 
and that's different than than you know training for a Manny Pacquiao. Regardless of how you know most fighters are going to be 100 ready for for whatever, and they train to the 100. But from a mental aspect, it's 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 different when you're thrown into a uh, you change from a fight like that on an undercard to a fight with you know one of the all time greats in the last 20 years. That could be that that could be detrimental to Ugas, and that's why it's hard to to pick Ugas in this fight. But in theory, if, if, if this was originally announced as a Pacquiao-Ugas fight, I think it'll be a, a very close fight. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. Um, did you have anything else? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if I see a stoppage in this fight. And, and matter of fact, I'm not sure if this fight is going to be that exciting. It might be exciting in spots. But I, I think it's gonna, it could be a, a – I could see it being a physical fight, mm. but not a fight where people are getting hurt or anything like that. Yeah, same. Ugas only has 12 knockouts, and Pacquiao, modern-day Pacquiao, hasn't had a knockout victory in a while, so I definitely see it going to distance. Um, did you have anything in, else in general before we before we wrap it up? No, it was a busy night of boxing yesterday. I, I, I wish I, it would have been a better night, you know, in totality, but, you know, next couple of weeks should be fascinating to what we'll see. Yeah, it, it, it kind of sucks a little bit that, you know, the fights that we were looking forward to for the most part have either been postponed or taken away from us for now. Even with, and we didn't say this already because we didn't record last week, but even with David Benavidez being out because of COVID and that fight being canceled. And, you know, we, I guess we were thinking that that fight was going to maybe lead to a title shot of some caliber in the super middleweight division but you know with him being out and you know i don't know what his health status is but you know hopefully he makes a full recovery from COVID. but yeah it's been kind of a underwhelming summer with boxing but the fights are still out there and so like you said we, we should still get some some pretty decent ones coming up oh yeah shout out to nico ali grandson of muhammad ali who uh, got a victory, a TKO victory last night. Uh, apparently, he wore his grandfather's uh, trunks from the 1960s. <laughs> it's it, it's an interesting story. Uh, I guess I haven't been following him, but I guess be on the lookout for Nico Ali. You know, we'll see what happens in the Ali legacy. Mm-hmm. For sure. Shout out to him. Good win. But with that said, uh, we are going to go ahead and call it. Uh, we'll get back home safe. Other than that, uh, feel free to follow us, uh, like, and subscribe on our social media channels. We are Last Ones at the Bar um, with one T on Twitter. Last Ones at the Bar with all the T's on Instagram. And if you find our YouTube channel, uh, for sure, subscribe to that. Other than that, you guys have a beautiful week. We are out. Peace. Peace.